Welcome back into the mental game. I'm your host, Brandon Seho, and this week's guest is NBA champion Channing Fry. And this was an amazing, emotional conversation. Channing opening up like he never has before, talking about his NBA career, playing with LeBron James, his mental health, battling depression and feeling alone, losing both of his parents, and also alcohol. That and much, much more in this episode. I can't wait to share it with you. But before we get into this conversation, I just want to say if you're loving the mental game, please like, subscribe, rate, review, tell your family, tell your friends as we try to help as many people as we can with their mental health. But without further ado, here is the latest episode of The Mental Game with Channing Fry. Welcome back into The Mental Game. I'm joined by a very special guest, NBA champion Channing Fry. Channing, I appreciate you doing this, What's up, man? Thank you. We're hanging out here at the uh, hotel in New York City. You're an analyst for Bleacher Report right now. Doing the uh, NBA playoffs. How's that been going? It's good, man. It's been back and forth. You know, I've, I, well, obviously, I live in Oregon, so coming out. Uh, this is my third week of doing it. Uh, first week, I was here six days. Yeah, went home to, got my daughter, came back out here six days at her, and then went home four. Now I'm back out here two, home for three, back out here two, and then Eastern Conference Finals. So yeah, it's been busy, but I love New York. I love walking. I like being outside. I yeah. like being around people, but not. It's basically like you're playing again then. <laughs> going yeah. back and going back and forth city Dude. to city. Yeah, yeah. Well, at least it's one city. And then yeah. during the season I go to Atlanta every week. Right. To record. So it's been a lot of traveling this year. I think I have like a million miles already in one year. So All right. it's not bad. Rack up the points. Um, oh yeah. First thing I ask everyone here on the mental game is what does mental health mean to you? And you can answer that in a variety of ways. Maybe when you first discovered it or if there was an event that made you be more cognizant of your mental health, but uh, yeah, what does mental health mean to you? Man, I mean, I think there's different parts of that. I think mental health is like being self-aware. So for me, I've always been, you know, being an MBA, you have to be extremely self-aware. But yeah. you always have, you don't have to think as much, right? And so talking to a therapist, I've had to talk to a therapist since I retired. I've had to relearn how to be a civilian, mm -hmm. right? Which is really hard because... In the league, they're like, here's practice, here's right. when we're leaving, here's your game. And then you are trained to know, I'm going to practice three hours early. I'm going to eat this. I'm going to lift this. I'm yeah. going to you know, stretch this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to shoot this many shots. I'm going to go to practice and after practice. So everything is dictated. Mm -hmm. We're like, before a game, I'm going to take a nap. I'm going to eat this food. I'm going to do these things. So everything is routine-based. And then when you get in the real world, that doesn't exist. Right. So that's one. And then number two is the emotional part about it. It's like, <clears throat> as athletes, most of the time we are taught, put those feelings aside, this matters. Or like, mm -hmm. aggression, aggression, aggression. Right. Right? And that's not always the answer. Um, and so, like, I think this generation is a lot more in tune and they're being taught differently than, I'm, I'll be 40 this year. And so for me, how I was taught was, even if my leg is broke, go out there right. and go play and then deal with the consequences, right? Yep. And it's just a thing. Now, there are times for that. And there are times to not put yourself in danger, whether you're mentally or physically not ready to do that. And the third part is um, 
I think anxiety of the future. I think you know, for me, yeah. I have a I have a problem with my phone and scrolling. <laughs> I think we I think we all do. <laughs> right, right. But that type of uh, interaction is not normal, right? Mm-hmm. So less is more, and I think all these things are, you know, feeding into our ability to not focus. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that mental health is literally being still and allowing your brain to just chill out for a second. Right. So those are my three things when it comes to mental health. Well, it seems like you have a game plan for mental health, which is obviously good. I'm sure the, the more you've grown in, in your career and just in life, that's something that you're cognizant of and think about more. Uh, you mentioned seeing a therapist after you played, and we're going to get into that in a little bit, but I just wanted to bring up, because I had Browns legend Joe Thomas on yeah. uh, earlier on the he's mental He's the man, game. by the way. He, he's awesome, and he talked about the same thing of bury those feelings, don't talk about it, but then, like, he had uh, his therapist or the Browns team psychologist told him, after you're done, like, you have to treat it like a death in your family. Like, when you're leaving yeah. the NBA oh, yeah. or leaving the NFL, because it's just a whole different life than what you've been used to for so many years. W- was the NBA, you grew up here in New York, bounced around, uh, grew up, you know, childhood years a lot in Arizona, played at Arizona in college, get drafted by the Knicks in the first round. Was the NBA always the dream? Yeah, as a little kid it was because I watched basketball. And right. then what my parents did, which I appreciated, was they never made me run anybody else's race but my own, right? Mm. Yeah. Which is huge because a lot of times nowadays parents are on this. Right. And they're like, well, look at this kid, right? Like my son is big. He's six foot tall. He's 12, wears a size 14. But yeah. like I look, you know, when I get all the basketball things – there's another 12-year-old who's 6'6", dunking, doing windmills. Or right. There's a 10-year-old who's shooting NBA threes. And I'm like, I have to stop myself from running him or making my son run somebody else's race yeah. and just really encouraging him to be whatever he wants to be. And my parents are like, well, do Boy Scouts, do the band, do you know arts, do yeah. acting, do all these things. And I did. And it always leaned towards basketball right. because it was something I could do here right i could play yeah. basketball here and we'll talk about that later and it was a kind of a gift and a curse right because i would think about basketball so much that my body i would get i would start to sweat like i would From just thinking about it just like but like the emotions of it yeah how do i feel i call myself a web thinker where it's like what do i do in this scenario uh, what do I do in that? So you scenario? literally build a web throughout oh, your mind, <laughs> dude. Yeah, and then that creates anxiety. Yeah, because I'm not being present. I'm guessing what's going to happen, and realistically, 99% of those things don't happen. Right. So for me, it's been figuring that out and not putting any of that anxiety on my kid, as they all of them. I have four, mm-hmm. and my girls play basketball too. Not to put any expectations or other than to have fun, get sweaty, and play the game the right way. And I think that's a great way to look at how your parents raised you and, and use that as an example on your own kids. And I know for me personally, my parents are great when it came to sports. Obviously, I didn't make it to the NBA or NFL. But the uh, the way that kids are were raised when I was growing up, and you still see it now where parents are having them play every single type of AAU, yeah. basketball, oh, yeah. select, baseball, whatever it is, and they're yelling, screaming, making them practice all this stuff. It's like that doesn't help um, the kid. And so to have that, that support – as, as a child from your parents, and then you pass it on to the next generation, I think is super powerful. Oh, thank you. Um, to get drafted to the New York Knicks, 
place where you're born, right. and your dad was a huge Knicks fan. Yeah. Walk me through that moment. Boy, so both my parents grew up in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. a block away from each other, wow. which is crazy, right? Ralph and McDonough okay. lived on the other side of the streets. So when I had an inkling that I was going to the Knicks, I had my mom had eight, well, seven brothers and sisters, and my dad had one. So I have yeah. all type of family here. I think we had 75 people here at the draft. Wow. Uh, and just to give people a reference, I was going to get redshirted my freshman year of college. I ended up staying four years. Didn't start really my first two years. Okay. Only started halfway through the season. One year, my freshman year, because another player stole some earrings in Oregon. And another year because another player got hurt. And so I started junior, senior year. Junior year was my best year in college. Yeah. I thought it was going to go. Coach Olsen at the time said, I just don't think if you left, you would be fully proud of like everything that you've accomplished because you still have so much more. Mm-hmm. He was like, just give me one more year. You're going to go to the NBA, that's no doubt. Just give me one more year. So I did and was beginning of the tournament was supposed to be mid-second round. Till I got drafted eighth. So that's right. a big jump. Oh, yeah. So obviously when you have a big jump, a lot of people are like, oh, we're so proud of you. But yeah. when I got drafted here, I was so focused on just my habits of college. Mm-hmm. You know, going four years, being the leader, being this, and then coming here where you're a rookie. Right. And you just have so the different. highest payroll. Crazy. So I had vets. But because there was so much chaos here, yeah, I didn't really like a vet can say, "Channing, this is what we expect from you. This is what we want you to do every day." But because play, the vets didn't know what they were gonna do yeah. or if they were gonna play, it was hard for them to help me. So I got caught up in the wrong things, right? Like yeah. I was out in the streets a lot. We were lose. I had a driver, and we'd be like, "Hey, you know, I'm 22." So I'm like, "Let's go to this." Let's go to Tau, you know, yeah. when it opened. Let's go to this. Let's go to that. And I think for me, the best thing Isaiah Thomas saw was like he removed me from New York and put me in Portland, where I learned how to win and play and uh-huh. be a pro. Yeah. And what's, I mean, your whole life changes. One, you get drafted, then you come to a city like New York. So you have, yeah, oh, you yeah. have, it's twofold because it's emotional for you because your parents are from here, you're from here. Yeah. They're super proud of you. You're happy to be back. But then also, Knicks fans are bananas. Crazy in a good way. Great way. Great, great way. way. Love it. They want to win. Um, they're super passionate. Maybe one of, if not the most passionate fan base oh, easily. Th- there is out there. But balancing <laughs> balancing life now instead of being a college athlete, being an NBA player yeah. in a city like New York for a franchise like the Knicks. You mentioned being 22 after a loss, going out club and doing oh, something yeah. different. Oh, I mean, yeah. what were some of your um, biggest hurdles you had to overcome early in your career? No, I didn't really trust the system. So I could trust my college teammates because we're all held right. to a standard. I had no clue what the NBA was like. In that year, we had the most starting lineups. Larry Brown uh, versus yeah. Isaiah Thomas versus Stephon Marbury. Yep. The vets were mad that the rookies were starting. Yep. Then I would sit, then it would start. Then I did good. Then they weren't really happy for me, like a couple of them. So, like, Quentin Richardson, Jamal Crawford, Malik Rose, they're the best. Yep. Uh, Stefan was was good while he was good. But for me, it was like I didn't have an anchor. Yeah. And as I've gotten older, I've learned I need an anchor in something. And so when I don't – I like swimming in pools. Yes. I don't like swimming in the ocean. Right. It's too much. 
Too big. It's a good analogy. When you give me that many options, I swirl into, right. well, I'm just going to enjoy things. Right? And I still, I don't want to say battle, but that's my personality. It's like, yeah. well, if y'all don't give a shit, I don't give a shit. Right. Right? If y'all, like, I'm doing the work and y'all can't be happy for me or I'm doing it and we're still losing. Mm-hmm. Understanding that concept. Yeah was without a psychologist without anybody on my team knowing how to explain it to me Mm -hmm. like i'm just discovering how to be a pro yeah how to be in the league and now i have to deal with fifty thousand other things yeah right and so i kind of rebelled and uh i got hurt the end of my first year but still played good was second in rookie of the year yeah and then for people to understand i was a center for five years Right, so from the beginning of college to my first year in the league, mm-hmm. and then my second year in the league, Isaiah Thomas is a new coach, yep. and goes, "Hey, we want you to be a shooting four. So that uh, changes that's, a little bit, <laughs> dude. And I don't shoot threes. Yeah. So for me, he was ahead of his time at like what he saw me as, but there was no wiggle room now. So now the confidence that I did have being something, you removed that right, even more. Yeah. And so there's no confidence in what I am. And I don't even know if I'm going to be in the league because now you're asking me to play like, I don't know, the four men in the league, like Dirk. You asked me to play like Dirk. Yeah. And I, I've shot four threes my whole career, you know? So it mentally, yeah. it was a lot. And I didn't deal with it very well. When you have that adversity early on, and I've heard you mention this before, and it's a feeling that I'm familiar with. You know, people when you are successful and yeah. have have a good job, good family, they think nothing's wrong. How could this person oh, dude. not be happy? Which is just it's crazy how when you people open up, you learn a lot about their own stories. For me, I felt alone, and that was like my biggest thing. And I think you've touched on this before, where you had that alone feeling. How how did that feel, and how did it bother you? Because from the outside looking in. You're a top 10 NBA pick yeah. play, playing every night on the biggest stage in MSG, but you have that alone feeling. Can you just walk me through when you started feeling that and what that was like? You know what? <clears throat> that alone feeling is like when you have all your friends in your house and you go sit up and play Warcraft for 72 right. hours and don't go to sleep. Yeah. Like they're literally downstairs like, Jenny, come on. And I'm just like sitting in my room. And now this is like... There was like, all, not all-star break, but it was kind of like during the season, it was like a couple of days off. So I go to practice, come back, sit in front of my computer screen. My buddies are like, Chenny, do you want to go for a walk? Do you want to go to the gym? I was like, nope. And just sit there and drink and play Warcraft and talk to random people. Right. And that loneliness was that nothing, like it was empty carbs. Like I'm eating a thousand rice cakes and I'm still starving. Right. So, like, you look to, you know, you're 22, 23. You're looking to women. You're looking to drink, and you're looking to party, and you're looking to frivolously spend money. Like, yeah. where – because that gives you a dopamine hit, right? Yep. Like, oh, man, look, I just, you know, went to this party and spent $20,000. And you're just like, man, it doesn't even matter. Right. And you get home, and you're like – You still feel you, that same shitty way. Same shitty way. Then I realized my roommate was stealing from me. Oh, at that fun. year. So it was like, what in the world? So that and then what am I? And all these expectations are like, Channing, you're supposed to be so much better. And I'm like, dude, I'm literally playing a new position. But they didn't understand that. Right. Yeah. So it was a lot. 
It was a lot. But I did, I appreciated that Isaiah put me in a situation where I was going to learn. I was away from the limelight to make mistakes. Yeah, and, and you bounced around in your career, yeah, yeah. which is something that if, if you're not a, an athlete in the professional level, you really don't understand because you don't know – where yeah. you're going to be next year. You can be traded. You can be signed somewhere totally, as a free totally. agent, things like that. You played in, in New York. You played in Orlando, Cleveland, L.A. Um, was there a, a point in your career that was the hardest on your mental health? Boy. Uh, I would say, and, and here I'm going to give you three, three things. So one was... The year that they told me with my heart issue, I was going to die. And I, you know, didn't trust that doctor. It's a long, it's a long story. It's a podcast in itself. Yeah. But the doctor was not qualified, to, nor did he have the machinery to diagnose me the way he did. Right. So him saying I'm going to die and all this was 30% correct. Right, so imagine yeah. you don't just say that. No, that's you yeah, be yeah, confident. Yeah. You got to be very confident. And the machine, anyways, so when I went to Johns Hopkins in Baltimore, they explained to me what was happening with my body. They were explaining to me that I can get better, obviously. Um, but this is the greatest thing the doctor told me. He was like, "We have all this machinery. We have all this, but if you don't get right here, we can't help this." Yeah. And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, go find an osteopath, go find, do yoga, play golf, learn how to be happy and not have so much anxiety about what was going on. So that same year that I had that heart issue, I had torn my shoulder, I tore my labor. Oh, shit. Yeah. And my daughter was born. So I was in a sling, my daughter was born, and we found out a month later that she had cataracts and was blind. So she could see now. Yeah. But... She had five surgeries before she was two years old. Oh, so, wow. like, all this is going on as I'm trying to... Make yourself in the league. Establish yourself. Establish myself. So, like, I had a good year in 2010. Eh, year 2011, right? Team starts changing. 12-13, that's, like, when I started to get hurt. Or that's when my heart issue happened. Yeah. Right? And that's, like, nobody knew what was going on with my daughter. And then the team to have me rehab was making me fly on my own dime to California, or not, to Arizona. To rehab. So the stress, which is yeah. wild, which doesn't... Anyways, so then the heart issue comes, and finally I'm like, you know, you just have this moment of God or whatever you believe in, I'm, I'm literally a shell of myself. Right. And so I found a yoga teacher... And we did yoga every single day for um, seven months to a year. Oh, wow. Every single day. Because I couldn't sweat. Yeah. So I had to do something that would calm me down. And so what I realized by seeing an osteopath and getting completely tested, my neurotransmitters were overreacting. So remember what I said when I was younger? Yeah. When if I would like go to sleep and I was anxious for a game, my heart rate would start to pump. So that's going to affect, yeah. Yeah, because now if I'm anxious about a test, I can't go to sleep because I'm thinking about the test. I'm thinking about how I feel. Yeah. And I'm starting to rev myself up. So like if I'm thinking about a, a big game, yeah, I've already played the game mentally. In your head, yeah. And I'm like, why am I exhausted to play this game? Why am I, 
my adrenal glands, like why is like why don't I have anything in my tank? Right. So I had to learn how to be present and to calm down and you know, it's a it's a battle, but it's been yeah. wild to figure that out. Well, if I can hit on the yeah, heart yeah. the heart condition and you so you were out 2012, 13 season because of that. Yeah. When you get that news from a doctor that tells you, and I'm sure you at the time didn't know that it that that diagnosis wasn't entirely correct. When a doctor tells you you're going to die because of a heart condition, how does that hit you? Um. Well, the part that hit me was I couldn't get on a plane to see my family. That's what hit me. Uh, so he told me. And then I literally went and got a teriyaki chicken bowl. <laughs> I love teriyaki chicken. I said, I got to do something to make me happy. Like, what? How do I? How do you bounce back from this? How do I tell yeah. my wife this? Like, that's a crazy phone call that no one should ever have to tell a loved one. Right. Especially now my wife is dealing with my blind daughter. Yeah. Right? So, like, hey, I'm supposed to get on a flight. I've been traveling back and forth to be with this team. I think this is a routine checkup before the late season, Labor Day weekend. And the doctor told me I can't get on a plane and that I have a high chance of I'll die if I work out anymore. So I have to do all these tests for the next two weeks. She was like, do you need me to get on a plane? And I was like, no, just let me soak this up. My buddies from Arizona came over. Yeah. And we just kind of, I don't want to say internally freaked out, but. It's a, that's heavy. It's, it's really fucking heavy. Right. I was going to ask, like you had to have dark fucking nights, like just those first couple days of like, try, you, you can't even wrap your head around and process no. that no. as a what? How old were you? 24? No, 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 no. I was 27, 26, Okay, but 27. still. Young guy. Yeah. A young guy. I mean, were you like, did you have to stay at the hospital? Could you go home? Were you drinking? No, I could go home. Were you drinking at home? Like what was going you on? You know what? I wasn't so what happened was what we found out when i was working out to get back in shape yeah i was going in this thing called the colorado altitude chamber but i was you're only supposed to do that every so often i was not i was stressed out because of my shoulder stressed out because of my daughter and i was running to be in the best shape ever yeah so but what i didn't take into account was that year that i had been running or the the year before I got hurt with my shoulder was a lockout year. So we were playing triple back to back to backs. Yeah. So I didn't give myself the recover- chance, the recovery mentally or physically to really deal with what was going on. And I was crushing hardcore energy drinks. So I'd wake up at five, work out five to seven hard. Then I'd get on this thing and either walk, jog, do the bike for an hour. Yeah. Go home, like sleep, pass out, eat, go back in the gym, shoot, do another. And I was doing this for months on end. Wow. And I was just like. Just burning your fuse, basically. Burning the fuse. And I was also burning the fuse on the other end. Yeah. Because I was like, I want to enjoy this. Like, I want to, you know, whether I have to wake up or not, I want to like, you know, I didn't know how to deal with stress. Yeah. And I think that's like trying to enjoy the moment. Yeah. But also take care of yourself it's so hard especially at like a young age and i told you before we started that like i've been sober almost three months now and it's like drinking is my thing like i like to go out i like to have a good time but i just noticed it starts taking over your life and where you're at you have to take control of that situation um however best you can your career you get back on the court yeah 
you get to go to Cleveland. Yep. You win a, a championship, and I'm going to get into that in a sec. But I know you also had to deal with a lot of adversity with, with your mother and your father both passing within, is it a month of each other? Yeah, a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, your, mo- your mom, correct me, yeah, she can- cancer, cancer. Yep, yep. and your dad had something very similar uh, to your just, heart condition? Yeah, I, well, that you literally, thought- we the doctor was just like, we got an autopsy and everything, and literally his heart just stopped working. So we think my dad, he was already struggling. He struggled big time with... Uh, his mental health yeah. at the end after, you know, my mom and him divorced late after my brother had graduated college. They were both going their ways. And my dad, his guilt about not having this perfect family because he struggled with alcoholism big time mm-hmm. was the thing that killed him, right? It, obviously, the alcohol had a big impact on him, but his guilt of, you know, him and I had our issues. Him and my mother had their issues. And my brother. So, like, and those two had issues with me. Like, we had, it was a family dynamic where we loved each other. But it was very toxic when all four of us were around. Because my parents never could let go of them not being parents. Gotcha. They never saw me as, like, chanting the man. Right. And so when I had my own family, I was like, guys, you got to take care of yourself. They're like... No, 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 that's not how this works. And I'm like, you're an adult. Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was, uh, man, when was that? Oh, that year, not to go back to this, but that year that I was dealing with my heart issue, literally my dad was at the old house by himself, and I had time, and I called. I was like, Dad, man, what are you doing? Like, let me take you out to dinner. You have, I haven't talked to you in weeks. I want you to see, you know, your your grandkids. Right. Uh, and he sounds all gurgly and stuff. And I was like, oh, shit. So I told my wife, and I'm living in Phoenix. I live around the corner. I go to jog there, basically. Yeah. So I get my car. I go there. And I notice the house is, like, pitch black. He had sold all almost all his furniture. Like, it was almost like he was squatting in his house. Poor man. And I broke a window because I was ringing the doorbell. And I ended up breaking a window and found him. And you know, you have in your closet, the doors. Mm-hmm. He had fallen through the closet door. And I called the driver that I had known since I was growing up. And I had to send him during, like, imagine they tell me I'm going to die. I stay there. Two months later, I find my dad like that and put had to put him in rehab uh, for like a month or so. And they said, which this story never gets out, but obviously these are things that players have to deal with all the time, right? Everyone right. has to deal with stuff like this. Right. So he his blood alcohol level was so high that he couldn't even go into rehab that he had to go to the hospital for three weeks. Wow. So I think he tried to, and I don't know, obviously we don't know now, I think he tried to kill himself. And if I hadn't broke the window and he was just there, he would have died. So when he did die, I understood... He died on Thanksgiving, you know, which is sad. His mother found him. Uh, my grandmother found him. But my mom died of cancer. I saw her. I took care of that. And then when my dad died, that my mom died, that broke me. And I was crying to practice every day. I had no business going to practice. Yeah. Right? And, I, I, and I'll just be honest. I had no business going to practice. But I love my guys, Doug and my brother, Logan and DB. I'd call them. It's not 11 o'clock practice. I'm going there. I'm there about 9. 
So it's six o'clock in LA, in Arizona, and yeah. where they're at, and they're talking to me so that I have somebody to talk to in a car so I don't have to be alone. You know? Your um your dad's story is that I don't know if motivation is the right word to use or inspiration, but does that change your outlook on mental health? Is that what kind of sparked it seeing his struggles and knowing what yeah, he went through? I, I think for me, uh honestly it feels we all struggle with something. Right. Right? And and I wouldn't say struggle, we all wrestle. Yeah. Right? And sometimes you get put in a headlock and sometimes you don't to think that you're going to be perfect all the time, right? So obviously alcoholism runs in our family. Mm -hmm. So, but I own a wine company. Right. So like for me, it's not about for me personally. It's about what is my motivation to have one drink or 50 drinks, right? Yeah. This isn't college anymore. What can I not enjoy that? Like finding the root of that was something that my dad and my grandparents never did. Right. Why do I enjoy this? Right? Like, am I overdoing it? Am I doing this because I feel pressure from somebody else? Yeah. Is it a social habit thing? To me, that has been the wildest thing to really deep, deep dive into myself. Yeah. Like, why can't I just go out for one drink? Or why do I do it now and not do it later? I did it when I was in the league, but I did it in the league because I was anchored to something. I was anchored yeah. into getting better the next day. So. After you're done with the league, why do you think so many guys get into drinking and doing a lot of drugs or spending a lot of money? Yeah. They're not anchored to something to be, to look forward the next day. Right. There's no, we kind of got to put ourselves in a box. Did you struggle with drinking while you're playing or after you're playing? Just oh, it dude. being a big thing? Or? Yo, okay. All right. So you yeah, and I have boy. a very similar story then. With yeah. That. After okay. I got done, um, our house was under construction and we lit, we have a house out in like 45 minutes outside of Portland. Yeah. Beautiful house on the river, but I have no neighbors. Yeah. So imagine going from the league, never yep. getting therapy for my, and the team asked many a times, and I told them, no, thank you. It was too much. Yep. So I go from this around people all the time. I'm a people person. Yep. Very, you know, like that's why I like New York. I could be around a thousand people and nobody at the same time. Right. When I went to this house, with barely no internet, no TV, so I didn't really have my job yet. Your boy went on a wild, wild binger. Yeah. Where it was like, I mean, my kids would get dropped off at school and I'd be in this house by myself because all my kids were at school. Yeah. The wife, it takes an hour to get to school, an hour back. By the time she would come back at 12, I'd probably be a bottle of champagne in. Yeah. And just be like, well, I'm not doing anything. Right. I didn't know I'd enjoy life without a drink. Right. Was that right? covering up like oh boy, was that yeah. covering up depression, anxiety, or were you addicted to that buzz, or was it a, a combination of both? Because for me, that's what it was. It was like I can't have just I figured out maybe I will later in life yeah, where yeah, yeah. Totally. you know I get married and I'll be, I'm able to have like a glass of wine at dinner or a beer at a ball game, you know, with friends. But yeah. for me now, I know because I've done it so fucking much. Yeah. That I can't just have one or two beers. I literally will sit home at night and have seven, eight, nine, ten beers on the couch just because I love that feeling of being yeah, buzzed. buzzed. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, just, like was was it a mix of those two things? Or no, what, dude. What? It was avoiding everything. Remember how I said we're taught 
Tuck it. Right, right. Tuck yeah, it we in the pocket. Our, yeah, we haven't been in our phones in a while. So no, this yeah. is great. <laughs> ah, you know. But um, what's crazy is, okay, just dab on that, the phone thing, we go camping every year for a week. I don't even, after the first day, you forget your phone doesn't even exist. Yeah. You're just in the moment. Right. You like sit, you read a book, you're like, you're so mentally engaged, right? And obviously you're floating around the boat, you're listening to music. Yeah. You're enjoying your time. But for me, when it came to drinking, especially during that time, anything to avoid this. The feelings. Oh, dude, it was too much mm-hmm. to where I was like, we are moving out of this house or I'm divorcing you. And I never told my wife that in a million years, nor do I want to divorce her. I love my wife to death. She is my rock. But it was the demons versus me and drinking, and we were all in that little house, and I was the worst version of myself. And so I finally, six months we move, it's COVID. During COVID, when we were at our other house, now we're around in a nice little neighborhood, Uh it was some of the happiest that I've been. Wow, okay. Drinking COVID's was different chill. for every like COVID's a lot different. Most people that's where they sink during that I was year. no, because I was around my family, all this love and happiness yeah. and my battery was getting recharged of okay. like being a dad, being active, you know, walking to the park with my kid, right? Or like there was none of that at the farm. Yeah. But now I can go to the farm and enjoy it. But like walking to the park with my kid or you know, being able to walk to go get milk from the store and come right. back. Like some resemblance of a real life. Those are things that I really love doing. Yeah. And those were some of my greatest years because I had a connection with everyone in my family mm-hmm. and my friends and the people that would sneaky come over. Right. And we would talk all the time. And it was like, dude, I love this feeling. This is like what it's about, right? Yeah. And it's a journey finding that version, the best version of yourself. Yeah. And it's a constant thing with mental health. Um, you mentioned being asked when you're in the league, do you want to see a team psychiatrist, psychologist, therapist? And you yeah. said no. Well, I saw him. You saw him, but it was too much. Too much. Woof. Just at that moment, that was not an option for you, dude. It was one of the most intense. Like imagine, you know, for me, I flew out. Uh, we're at the uh, World Series. Yeah. And I'll never forget Dante Jones and Kevin and those guys. We're having drinks. We're celebrating because, you know, we had gone. To, we had just won a championship. Yeah. This is near Halloween, so like October 22nd. Yeah. Um, so we're in the suite partying, having a great time. Life cannot get better. Right. And my uncle or my aunt sends me a picture of my mother. And she looks like a skeleton. And my aunt, all she wrote is, you need to get here by tomorrow. I don't think she has long to go. Your boy crumbled. And I physically remember crawling. You know, in a suite, there's that little bathroom. Right. Crawling to the bathroom and being in a fetal position and crying. And they had to physically lift me up and tell security to put me in a car they were going to have my car somewhere else to like, I couldn't comprehend this. Right. So I get on a plane, I go see my mother and you know, like death is a wild thing. And I know people from different countries deal with it, but seeing your mother like that, she might've weighed 
70, 80 pounds, tiny little thing, mm -hmm. you know, and closing her eyes, like telling, telling my mom couldn't speak. I knew it was over for her and closing her eyes and telling her like, I love her. It's okay. You don't need to fight this anymore. And I, you know, I was just sitting there holding her hand, you know, trying to tell her funny stories. Um, and my brother was on a plane from New York. So I feel even worse for him. <coughs> but, <clears throat> excuse me. But when I walked outside, because my cousin went and got me a sandwich. And I was just like, man, I just, I haven't eaten. Right. I hadn't eaten since the day before. I got on a plane, couldn't eat, couldn't do anything. Uh, went, went and got a sandwich and they walked out and said she had passed. So then, like, so not only do I, am I close my mother's eyes, take care of this. They're like this. Okay, you need to do A, B, C, and D now that she passed on. You need to get rid of her credit cards. You need to tell your father. You need to tell this person. You need to tell that person. So, like, the minute that that person passed, yeah, because I'm next of kin. It went, like, into business. straight yeah, business mode. So then I had to call my father, which was the worst phone call I've ever had to make in my entire life. Because I feel that man at that point, that man died. And right. I had to, I basically shot him. Yeah. I was like, Dad, your mom, you know, Karen died today. And he was like, no, you know, big whale crying. And I remember that. So when I went back to the team, when I go to sleep, when I take naps, that's all I see. Right. That's all I feel. And the therapist Jeez. wanted to help was like you know do you want to talk about it and i'm like imagine you just took a knife out right i had carterized this wound to play basketball right right i was a shell of myself glass half empty yeah if, if full if empty that, yeah and you're constantly just asking to dig into this um and then when my dad died that was really i don't even what's crazy I don't remember the NBA Finals. I don't remember it. Because I don't remember... When you won the championship? No, no, no. The oh, next the year. Next the next year, year. Yeah, yeah. When we lost to Kevin Durant? Yeah. I don't remember from December to... Because you had taken a leave and then came back. I took back. one... Uh, the only time I left, really, was to bury my parents. I buried my dad and I buried my mom. And I remember I took the train from... New York, so I buried my mom. I got on Penn Station, and they were playing in D.C., and I took the train. And I remember I was uh, by myself with my luggage, had headphones on, just literal, like a shell of myself. Yeah. This is my mom. And I remember the lady, I was just like, I'll just take a Jack and Coke. And I remember she said, you could have as many of these as you want. What happened? She sat with me. And this wonderful lady, Susan, like, <laughs> your boy was crumbled. It was it was humbling, but it was like, the minute the train stopped, I had to go, okay, we're, we might play a game tomorrow. Right. I had to be ready for this, which is crazy. Yeah. And my dad was, that was an even worse bender. But that was like, talk about benders. And we're in Arizona. Right. It was like four days of, you know, like, you never watch those movies where, like, the Irish people, when somebody, and they go to an Irish bar, like, 8 in the morning, they're yeah. crushing Jameson, and, yep. yeah. Me and my brother and everyone was just like, no one knew what to do. Right. No one had, oh, it'll be okay. There's no playbook for this. No, there's no, it's okay. 
Yeah. Right. I hate that. It's no, it's not okay. It's not going to be okay for a long time. Right. But what I've learned is number one, alcohol is a huge depressant. Yep. Number two, it, you're just avoiding the problem, the problem. And you can't talk to yourself if you're drunk. Right. Which right. means, remember, I, I always say like, if you really have an anxiety, sit and just chill in silence. Things are going to settle out like sand. Right. It's not, it is, there is an end, but you have to embrace the suck right. for a second. You have to. Yep. You can't avoid it. The only way to avoid it is to not be present. And you have to, excuse me, have to be present. To fast forward yeah, to, yeah, yeah. You, you go to therapy now. Oh, you had to. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what made that turn for you to flip the switch where now is the right time and how much do you benefit from oh. seeing a therapist? So my schedule has changed over these last four years. And I would say I've had some emotional outbursts, especially during Thanksgiving, that my wife has gently said, hey, Channing, I think you need to see someone for this. Right. So we'd be enjoying Thanksgiving, which is a big day, right? That's, yeah. It's just a, a, a emotionally charged day because I don't deal with those feelings until Til. that month. Yep. It's just become a habit now, which I'm trying to break by becoming a better person, right? Which right. is fine. Again, self-awareness. So this year we go back to Phoenix for the first time. I see my fathers. I'm great all day. We have friends and family in town. We're eating dinner. We have a couple glasses of wine. And something happens where somebody, now there's like 10 people at this table. Yeah. And when I tell you something clicked, your boy lost it. Yep. Was losing it. And it was just like, when I start losing it, then embarrassment happens, then anger happens, then I start drinking more, and I just had to put myself to bed. Is which, it almost like an autopilot thing? I wouldn't say it's autopilot. When you don't deal with stuff, your body is going to make sure you deal with it. Yeah. Right? Your okay. body and your mind is going to pick. It needs that attention. Again, I'm avoiding these feelings. I'm avoiding addressing my grief. Yeah. So... That happened last Thanksgiving. Okay, cool. There was something going on. It was like my son's basketball games. Yeah. And I had been traveling, and I remember my dad being there. And these are great memories. I remember I traveled, and I was coming back home from the plane, and I don't know what happened, whether it was a song, whether yeah. I was just – I got a video of, like, my son's game, and I – lost in the car and was like screaming at my parents like in the car like why why'd you leave why'd you give up like i'm here all alone right you're you know i'm trying to raise these four kids to be the best dad possible and i have no one behind me this is just me yeah so i get home and my wife is like okay she's like let's take care of this first because you're a mess and then let's get you some help, yep. right? So at that point, I, I finally called a doctor, uh, Dr. Libby, who has been a godsend. Mm -hmm. um, it has been amazing to dump these gut-wrenching feelings and for someone to go, you're absolutely right by feeling that. Yep. But what is that going to do? How do you move off of that? What do we do next? What do we do next? How do we acknowledge that? And make better choices. Yeah. How do we not go into 
like a party or a dinner series emotionally charged yeah because that's when the it all pours out oh dude too much yeah i'm too old i'm 40 right almost 40 <laughs> for me it's like it's just been an inner journey that i never had a chance to figure out yeah or like want to figure out and now i'm excited to talk about what's happening this week how did i do like yeah what's going on like in my issues with my parents and like how they passed away that grief that mad has gone to me accepting that they are watching my kids and my family and for me to make better decisions in their memory and for me to not make the same mistakes that they did of not acknowledging their faults in trying to address them i think everything that you that you've said on your journey and um, explaining it is super powerful when it comes to mental health. Um, I do want to get to some some of the fun memories yeah, with totally. basketball. Yeah, Let's yeah, get yeah. there please, too. I know please. it's a hard transition to go. No, from no, no, the dude, it's all, If if I couldn't talk about it like this, I've talked about this so much. Right, that's where I'm at too. I do it for yeah, a living yeah. now. Where yeah, yeah, yeah. You talk about it so much where you go, this feels good. Like I have great memories, right? Of like, you know, my brother. We we're playing in in high school, and it's a pretty big game. My brothers. So he's 10, I'm yeah. 16, he's 10. And he's walking down and it was a free throw and we have like one-sided bleachers, small. Yeah. And so he's loud, clump, clump, trips. Boom, 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 In the boom, middle boom, of boom. you at the line? In the middle of me at the line and <laughs> I was crying laughing. Shout out, Logan. I will never forget that. That's ever. awesome. That's awesome. Um, I know another thing obviously you won't forget is what every kid dreams of when they go to the NBA and winning a, a championship, yeah. oh, winning man. the NBA finals. You do it in Cleveland as part of that team with LeBron. How incredible was that moment? Watching it from home and seeing you guys celebrate on the floor, it felt so genuine and joyous. For someone that's worked their whole life for a moment like that, winning a title, what, what was that moment like? So, number one, you got to give a huge – I always say this, the older I get, is like we. it wouldn't have been as big if Golden State wasn't so dang good. Right. And you see how good they are, right. obviously. That but was the, the peak of their dynasty. The peak of their – well, Kevin Durant was the peak of their dynasty. Okay. Right, right, right. Um, but for us, it was like we had to evolve. We loved each other. To this day, we love each other. If Matthew Del Vadova called my phone and was like, Channing, I need you. What you need, man? How can I help? Like right. Anything, right? So I think you see that from us. I have never spent more time with a group of men ever in my life. Yeah. 18 hours a day. Breakfast, lunch, dinner, wine, film, hanging out, right. working out. If we're up at one, we're up at seven, right? Working yeah. out. Like, there's no excuse of why you're not becoming better. Being that locked in is infectious. It is something that you, you can't explain it. Going to the finals and think you're going to go there again is something. Going to the Western Conference Finals and going there, I think going to the NBA championship against one of the greatest teams ever, being down 3-1 and having to cut off all social media, tell your family only positive thoughts. If you are not yep. believing as much as we are believing, then you need to get the hell out. No talk of when summer's coming, only about today. That type of locked in is the greatest gift basketball has ever given me, more than a championship, because that is the pinnacle of basketball. To know substitution patterns, to know every guy's habit, to know 
how they tie their sneakers, double knot, single knot, no, you know, loose, super tight, what kind of shoes they wear. Like to know your opponent that much, to know even though I knew I wasn't gonna play that much, right. to know it that level and to see people raise their game was the greatest gift of all time. That that's a crazy perspective that you don't think about uh, from from the outside as a fan or a sports supporter, just like seeing how locked in you guys were, and you could tell how close that team was. Oh boy! Um, I, I gotta ask about playing with LeBron mm. and watching him play as a teammate. Yeah, is that one of? I know as an athlete, you get I don't want to speak for you, but you get, get kind of blinded to kind of how fans feel. Yeah, and, totally. And, and you're used to being around superstars and playing with them, but he's a different animal. Oh, he's a different I, I beast. mean, they're, they're, I'm not going to ask you to say who's the greatest, who's not. There's Michael Jordan, Kobe, LeBron. Like, but getting to play with a guy like LeBron yeah. at that level and win a championship with him, was that just kind of just crazy to think about? When you yeah. look back on it, I oh, mean. Oh, fuck yeah. I was in Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> he was like on the worst team, right? And that's why when I went – Everyone was like, oh, Channing changed the locker room. I was like, guys, I was just on a 20-win team, miserable, practicing for three hours, body right. hurts, Right. don't like the city of Orlando. My teammates are young. They hate each other. To now, we barely practice. I'm on a team of vets. I'm with my best friend, Richard. I'm playing with one of the greatest players ever. You guys really don't fuck with each other, and we're still beating teams by 50. <laughs> I was like, yo, get the stick out your ass and let's have some fun. Like, this doesn't happen all the time. So playing with LeBron, and this is the greatest thing I've ever said for me. I played to get minutes. I played to get points, right? I played to win games. He is always playing basketball to win championships or be the greatest. There's a huge gap in that. There is no one else in our generation that is playing basketball to be the greatest player ever still wow. with his resume. So when they say, oh, this year's not a failure, I bet you if LeBron doesn't go to a championship, people go, well, it's another year LeBron didn't do what Jordan did. It is a different level of measurement that no one else is held to. No one else's standard is held to. So when you understand that, mm -hmm. you work harder and longer and smarter than you ever have. Because as a teammate, as a, if I love you, if I see the work you're putting in, right. and his work is crazy. Yeah. It's the most dialed in from diet to workout to basketball workouts to mental to everything. This dude is a computer. Yeah. When you understand that, you know your level, self-awareness, and you know his level, you just want to meet him halfway because he's going to meet you halfway. Uh, there's yeah. only so much I could do based on my paychecks. Yeah. <laughs> but you, my good sir, your job is to do it all. Right. And you do. All my job is to do is to make sure you don't get double teamed. Was that was, was one of the cooler things, winning that championship with him, obviously witnessing his greatness, but knowing that he was a, a Cleveland guy and seeing you know, the passion for a fan base that – and I'm from Cincinnati, where yeah. we haven't won a championship since the Reds won the World Series in 1990. Damn. But bringing a championship back to a, a town like Cleveland that's starving for it, but then also having a hometown they boy on the team. Yeah. They deserved it. And I think what was fun was Richard and I are big dive bar guys. Love that. Love big dive bar, local bar guys. That's awesome. So when we would win, we're like, Braun, come on. 
pop your head into this place. And we'd be like, dude, hell yes. We would take, after we'd win, we'd all go out to like a, a bar. So imagine a 2016 team, Kevin, Tristan, Braun, Richard, JR, Sean. Holy shit. All of us walk into a bar and the place goes nuts. And I think the fact that we weren't elusive, the fact that people could touch us, the fact that we were accessible, think about all the things we were doing as our team. There was so much drama, but the drama wasn't affecting us. Yeah. We had like little Kev. We had us making fun of Braun. People had a, we started our podcast during, that's when Kyrie said, you know, the earth is flat. (laughs) Yeah. Right? But like, as good as we talk about LeBron, what's overshadowed is how good Kyrie was. Yeah. Like to be so young and to figure things out and for Braun to go, I know you could be as good as me. And for them to both be that good right. was crazy. And I was watching on the bench like, yo, somebody give me some popcorn. This is <laughs> bananas. I love that. Uh, favorite memory in the league? Oh, wow. Always you got someone checking in? No, no, no. I don't know why that did that. Favorite memory in the league? Wow, that's hard. Did you, did you just do not disturb your wife? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. She's okay. All right. Just making sure that's... Uh, that's... No, she's fine. <laughs> uh, favorite memory in the league? Obviously, the chip is an easy one. I would say sweeping the Spurs, because Tim Duncan, to me, is yeah. one of my favorite players of all time. Right. Uh, one of the most underrated players. I don't know how you're the greatest power forward ever. Don't lose more yeah. than 32 games ever in 20 years. That's and crazy. People are not, don't have you on a top 10 list. Right. That's it's nuts. nuts. Yeah. It's nuts. But sweeping him, being able to compete at him at a high level, and for us to barbecue them yeah. and sweep them in San Antonio, <laughs> being from Phoenix with the Phoenix uniform on, like, was huge. Huge. That's, that is cool. Like, when you get to meet, maybe, I don't know, can I call him your idol? Like, you meet your idol, meet <laughs> Oh, me, for sure. And for you get to play, beat them. That's just a whole He's di- a man. different experience. Um, a couple questions, then yeah, I'll, yeah. we'll get out of here. Uh, I, I wanted to touch on this earlier when we were in the mental health part of this, but. Kevin Love and your relationship, you two have been very open on your own, but also together. Um, what has that friendship been like and, and and his openness with mental health? I think that he was, you know, his platform when he did it, it just, it turned a lot of dials and Yo, got yeah. a lot of people tuned in and listening. What has that relationship, friendship, and his words and your guys' philosophy on mental health done for both of you? Well, I think... Kevin is just a genuinely awesome human being, man, right? And I think Kevin is dedicated to his craft and stays in his lane. And I think Kevin has had a kind of weird image of him for a long time. For sure. Of this, like, goody two-shoes, polo, Ralph Lauren, (laughs) white dude married to a model, making hundreds of millions of dollars. Like, nothing is wrong. Right. When I saw Kevin have that uh, anxiety attack, I was like, shit, man, I'm not we're not really asking the right questions. Like as teammates, I love you to death. I love them to death, right? But am I asking the right questions? Are we really interested when I say, how are you doing? Yeah. Right? Like really tell me what's going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you if you want to. Yeah. But just know I will do that for you. Like I'll listen. I'm not trying to fix it. Do you want me to, you know, give you a solution? Do you want me to hug you? Or do you want me to just listen? Yep. Those are the three things you could ask beforehand. Um but Kevin's evolution as a man has been amazing. Mm-hmm. For him to be that 
open yeah. is a gift, and he's changing a lot of lives. And I think you're seeing the league for him that all star, maybe a Hall of Famer. If they go to the NBA Finals, for sure a Hall of Famer. Yeah. For that type of guy to say, dang, I struggle with something, allows other people to speak up. So I'm really proud of him. He helped me through my hardest times. So I will owe him, I'll be in a, a debt of gratitude for him forever. Um, but as we've grown older, I've appreciated him and our relationship more for not only that we do wine together, something yeah. that we talked about, but it's just like his caringness towards his people and like his openness and humility towards a situation that was out of his control. Yeah, and he's been super open. And like you said, talking about it, if you've gone through that, that helps millions and millions of people. Um, that's why I started the mental game. But you also, just listening to a friend, like sometimes people don't need therapy or don't want to yeah. go just yet. Just you sitting there and listening. Dude, yeah. Just ask him ahead of time. Be like, dude, do I want, do you want to vent? Do yeah. you want a hug after this? Or right. do you, you know, do you want a solution? And, and honestly, it gives the power back in a person speaking, but I don't have to guess. True. It's huge, right? And I'm right. doing I gotta do this with my wife because sometimes I'm like, what do you want? Like I'm a dude. I want to fix things for you. Right. Sometimes you don't need your shit fixed. Yeah. You just wanna li you want me to listen or you need a hug. I yep. get it. So I'm, instead of me guessing, I'm just gonna ask. You mentioned the wine business with uh Kevin. We'll plug it. Well, yeah, tell yeah. us all about it. Uh so you know, during this journey, obviously we said we struggle with it, but it was something that gave me life when I was on the Cavs. So it's named Chosen Family Wines. Um, when I was on the Cavs and my parents were, you know, I passed away, my energy, my train had come to a stop yeah. on, the, on the stalls. I didn't know if I wanted to play basketball. I didn't know what kind of dad I was. I was a shell. I yeah. was just a ghost. But things that made me happy were like going out to dinner with guys, listening to what they were doing, yeah. hearing funny stories, conversation right yep. obviously this is my job now it's something i love doing i love talking i love learning yeah putting a bottle of wine in the middle of a table i've learned more about people than anything else it yeah. is almost less about the wine and more about what that juice does yep. because it is a humble thing because somebody goes oh look at the label that's pretty cool where is this from oh i've been there have you been there it right? opens so conversations it to a different opens level. conversations to a different level so when my wife asked me, you know, what do you want to do after you're done? Like, what makes you happy? And I was like, obviously, I want to stay in the game. That's why I do yeah. NBA Twitter Live now. I was like, I want to get in the wine industry. I love going out to wine country. Not yeah. necessarily to drink, but to take your shoes off and walk through the right. vineyard, to have your phone not work because the service doesn't work. Yeah. And when people go wine tasting, the conversations are the best. You always have a good time. You're outside. Yep. You're learning. Everyone is on a level of humility and soaking everything in. Smells, listening, eyes, yeah. mouth. Like, and no one is the expert. Even people go, Channing, what do you think? And I go, I'm not an expert. You tell me, do you like it or do, don't you? Yeah. Like, I can't tell you what you're tasting. So right. as that's evolved, it's really been awesome for me to create this business and have Kevin and our other partners work with us. But this is also putting me in a situation as a businessman where I'm learning. I've never had an employee in my life. Yeah. So for me, this is also making me uncomfortable that when we talk to about therapy, these are things that I'm learning and dealing with, but I like that uncomfortableness now and I'm diving into that because I know it's going to make me a better person, a better dad, a better, right. you know, a better boss. 
One more time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the plug, the name. Oh, Chosen Family Wines. ChosenFamilyWines.com. All right, and cool. And the name comes from after my family died, the people who were sitting at my table became my chosen family. So the people okay, you spend sweet. time with, the people that you yeah. uh, are hold accountable or hold you accountable, that give you hugs, that you know punch you in your arm when you're messing up, <laughs> right. that becomes your chosen family. So that's the ethos of what we want to do at Chosen. It's like that bottle of wine, it could be you held it for 10 years or you drink one every other day. Like right. Whatever that is, make sure it's special with someone. I love that name and the meaning behind it. Um, last thing I'm going to ask you, yeah, yeah. advice to... A maybe a younger athlete that that has the dreams that, that you accomplished, get into the NBA. Um, what would be your best words of advice, and maybe throw in the the mental side of it of how do you deal with the grind and the challenges of getting to that point? So I would say, and I'm gonna start out with simple things. Appreciate the grind every day, mm-hmm. but don't. My biggest gripe is don't just be a workout guy, be a basketball player. Yeah. Right. Be a basketball player. Don't be a fake online workout guy. Yeah. Be a be a basketball player because basketball players over the long run will win. Yep. They always win. They always do. Whether they do or they don't, they always win. Yeah. Right. You cannot be the best version of yourself if you don't know yourself. Okay. If yeah. you don't know how you're feeling or if you don't know what gets you going. Or if you don't know why you love basketball outside of money or fame, right? There's you're a gonna be there. you're yeah. gonna be you're gonna be a, you're gonna be fake, yeah. And people are gonna sniff that out. And when things get tough, you're only you're not gonna take that leap. But if you love the process, if you are okay with failing, if you're okay with putting yourself out there to be uncomfortable at times, because you know yourself and you have someone to talk to, yeah, that's huge. And number three. Step away from your family for a second. Their life is not your life. Take one step away. Okay. Reevaluate what's in front of you. And if they are not putting love and attention and affection and holding you correctly accountable, yeah. whether they are family or not, they're, good, they're not good for you. Yep. If they are encouraging bad habits, that one bad habit turns into a week of bad habits, turns into a month. But it's your fault because you've allowed that energy to come in, right? One yep. drop of oil in a glass of water, you probably ain't gonna taste it. You let that drop over time, yeah. now we have nasty oil water. Ain't nobody want that. <laughs> <clears throat> so just be aware of your surroundings and who's around you. And are they making you better all the time? Well, Chan, I can't thank you enough. Great point there. Great. I must Dave, like the most people who are listening can't see I most gave the most oh, awkward yeah. handshake I was ever. Like, yeah, we'll do whatever. Uh, the inside. Handshake nuts. We figured it out. Thank, <laughs> thank you so much. Thank I really you. appreciate it. And we'll see everybody right back here next week on The Mental Game. And that was truly an amazing conversation with Channing. You know, he told me before we put this episode out that this is the most he's ever opened up in an interview. So I can't thank him enough for coming on The Mental Game and trusting me with telling his inspiring story. Coming up next week, another surprise guest here on The Mental Game. But I will give you one hint it is someone from Barstool Sports. That's your one hint, someone from Barstool Sports, next week, right back here on The Mental Game.